0: All right, joining Yahoo Finance now is MasterCard CEO Michael Mibach. Michael, good to meet you in person. Last time I saw you, I was on a webcam, and it was smack in the middle of the pandemic. Hey,
1: Brian, good to see you in
0: person. In person, right? Exactly. So a lot's going on at MasterCard. Why don't we just start with, take us inside the MasterCard of today. So inside the MasterCard of today, um, let me start
1: off with a great sense of optimism. You know, you would expect me to say that since I'm here, but uh, I tell you why, uh, I tell you why. So pay- we're in payments, huh? so we start off with payments. We do a bunch of other things and we can come to that, but uh, you know, home territory is payments. If you think about the last two and a half years, payments have never been more important. Digital payments kept us going. You know, The whole world was locked up and everything still worked, and that was a function of what the industry does. Payments have also never been more competitive. Think about last year, buy now, pay later, like headline topic. So a lot of people look at uh, 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 at electronic payments and digital payments. Consumers get excited, they have more choices than ever. So it is an exciting
0: space to be in if you're in digital payments. So a lot of optimism. You mentioned buy now, pay later. How does that impact a, a company like yours?
1: See, where did this start? So Buy Now, pay Later has been around in a number of markets, Brazil, Turkey, for decades. Um, but there was a trend last year, really when the world became more and more digital. Um, many parts of our lives became more digital because we were all at home. That was the only way to interact. And more choices came up. It was an opportunity for alternative payment providers. And then Buy Now, Pay Later was one thing that was particularly liked by younger people who says, you know, maybe the credit card that my dad has isn't the coolest thing, so buy now, pay later, where I just take one loan at a time, maybe I can manage my budget better, whatever the logic was, so it suddenly became a thing. And um, we looked at this, and we said, well, it's about payments, so of course, we have to be in this, because our general position is, we like payments, regardless of what it is, we believe in providing choice, if consumers wanna do pay before or pay after or pay later in this case, um, we should have all of those answers. So for our customers, which is oftentimes large retailers or banks, got to have the full array. So we looked at this and said, great, if that's what people want to do, um, then we build it into our network as a capability, which we have done. So buy now, pay later through MasterCard, enabling a bunch of banks and a bunch of merchants, and therefore many consumers who want to use this, is now a reality through our network at 90 million merchants around the world.
0: If guys like you are going to get into this, what does it mean for some of the players in the industry?
1: So, um, you know, think about uh, buy now, pay later, pure place. Um, that's mainly what they do. Uh, we can be a partner. We can facilitate more growth and path to scale through our network with them. But it also means for existing payment players, like banks, who are saying, all right, I want to get into this space and compete with these guys. So in the end, we like competition and more choice. And whoever wants to use what we have built into our network, we're going to partner with them.
0: It sure seems like, from an outside looking in, that MasterCard is moving, moving faster under your leadership. And I point to a couple deals. Gaming, DoorDash, Airbnb. Take us through those deals. And, and what does it mean to a platform like yours?
1: Right. You know, all of them come down really to a need that somebody has. So during the days of COVID, I mean, uh, food delivery was a thing for many years, but it really got a thing, uh, absolutely top of mind uh, during the last two and a half years. So um, you know, getting into that space and saying if that is a need of consumers, is are there real people somewhere that have a real need, then we wanna be into it. And if we use partners who dominate in these spaces, who are engaged in these spaces, who have idea in these spaces and technology and we partner with them. DoorDash is certainly one. Airbnb on lodging. I mean That is a trend. Travel is coming back in a big way. Uh, people haven't been able to travel in the last two and a half years. Now they want to do. So a partnership with Airbnb is right up our alley. We say, all right, you know, um, people want to travel and it should be easy for them. Make those payments to Airbnb. If you happen to be a host and you're renting out your own apartment, how do you get your money? You get it via our rails very quickly into your account. So that's the kind of partnerships that we have with large players in these different categories are leading the way for the consumer
0: is travel back to pre-pandemic levels
1: it is It's actually above pre-pandemic levels we are um, as of um, the uh, third quarter this year at 124 percent versus 2019 so we take the noise out of the numbers you just look pre-pandemic 124 percent but it's not quite at historic levels yet so it's above but if the world would've continued the way it was going in 2019 without, a, um, without COVID and a pandemic in the middle, we would be at different levels. So there's still huge potential. Asia, for example, Asia hasn't fully uh, opened up like Europe or the United States have. So more to go. We have focused on travel all along. You can use your MasterCard wherever you want. Uh, we love the travel space. And now a lot of people say, hey, you know, I haven't gone anywhere for two, year, two years. I'm going to book that trip, I'm going to book that Thanksgiving trip, I'm going to see the family that I haven't seen, I'm going to go skiing or whatever we do, travel, there's a lot of momentum. It's revenge travel. It is revenge travel, I think that's right.
0: (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, I talked to one of your competitors recently, they said, we're seeing consumers spend more on services than goods, do you see that?
1: Um, The service economy is seeing a massive comeback, very true. Um, It's also very logical two and a half years ago, um, what is service industries like going to a restaurant, is going and booking a plane ticket and then going somewhere it just simply wasn't possible. So spend was a lot on goods, it was on home furnishings, it was on home improvement, and now it's shifting from goods to services. So services, if you look at airlines, airlines spend 40% up, lodging 30% up, restaurant 20% up, people wanna be out there. They want to experience things and just re-engage with life. So that's exciting. We want to facilitate that. They want to do it online or they just show up at the theater and present a MasterCard. Either way, we, in our model, we have all the options for them.
0: Looking through that prism of people spending more on services as opposed to goods, is there any indication inflation has peaked?
1: Well, um, you're not talking to the economic oracle, so I don't really know what is going to happen in the future. What I can tell you is um, through the lens of our business, and we do see a good chunk of consumer spending and of business spending, is that um, there is inflation in in the numbers, so prices have gone up. But we also see, this is the more interesting story that I, I think is the consumers continue to spend. There is resilience in consumer spending in pretty much every part of the world. Um, There's changes, though, in what people spend on. We just talked about the shift to the services economy. But depending on different segments within the spectrum of consumers, there is more shift to maybe necessities, so less discretionary spends. You spend more on food versus Back to travel, yeah. um, you know that is at different ends of the spectrum. That that could be uh, uh, is a trend that we're seeing. So the what somewhat changing, the absolute level not changing. Um, we see that in Europe, we see it in the United States, we see it really in every part Do you think of the
0: world. It, that momentum continues into the holidays.
1: Um, yep. You know, Again, back to predictions, how to see where it's going to go. So far, um, we don't see any near-term changes in a consumer uh, overall spending levels. The continuation of these shifts into experiences um, vis-a-vis goods, I think that will
0: continue. Are you confident in, in saying that we're just not going to have a recession? You don't see any red flags in your numbers that would give you consistent Currently, uh, based on the data that we
1: we have, which is all past. It already happened. Um, There is no such indication. Consumer is resilient. That resilience will last last to, you know, we have not any indication that there's a near-term recession. Um, So we said, well, certainly we don't see it this year. But who knows? It's too early to talk about 2023.
0: What will MasterCard's role be in the future of crypto? Um,
1: You know, Brian, earlier we were saying whatever choices... People take in payments. So some people want to invest in crypto assets, for example. So you know, buy by any any cryptocurrency. And we want to make that as easy and more importantly, as safe as any other payment that uh, people affect with MasterCard. So a buy a good and it's not really living up to what it is, you can basically reverse that uh, as you know, charge back that, uh, that particular payment. And when it comes to crypto, same expectations and aspirations on safety security regulatory compliance so we want to make it easy um, and we want to make it safe and that's how um, we've been engaging a whole set of partnerships with crypto exchanges um, so i can buy crypto easily through my card and i can pay out from my crypto world using a um, mastercard uh, send solution which is basically a, a push payment back into my card or wherever it goes so making that's very straightforward you look at other aspects of the crypto economy. The overall question of where's regulation going, um, regulatory compliance and things like that, we have a whole set of services that we deploy to make the ecosystem safe. So exchanges, banks, and everybody else who wants to play in the space, in the end, they all have needs that are pretty common on safety, security, so we fulfill those. And finally, there's a lot of talk out there on central bank digital currencies, which is yet another angle of the crypto um, economy. Where we advise and work with governments, and we provide testing facilities. You want to create uh, the digital uh, sand dollar. The government of Bahamas has done that, and they partner with us to try it out and see how that works. So we cover the whole spectrum of the crypto economy, really, from the simple starting point. It's a good, te- it's an interesting technology. People have interested uh, have interest in that. There's problems to solve. Payments isn't as efficient as it could be everywhere in the world and we want to
0: be there and
1: drive value.
0: Do you think we have that day where it's wide adoption in crypto? Are we ever going to get there where everybody in this room right now is just paying with Bitcoin? Entirely possible, but I think it's a long long way to go
1: uh, before uh, crypto becomes mainstream. I think this question on regulatory compliance, on scalable technology, on making sure there's a predictable user experience, why is buying an NFT such a clunky experience? It shouldn't be. That's why we have a partnership with I don't even know how to buy one. Full disclosure. I mean, we're sharing here. I
0: have no idea how to buy it. So we're partnering
1: with Coinbase to make it as simple as you buying a coffee. Um, I think these things all need to click in, and then you have the building blocks for it to become mainstream. Is that going to happen in the next six months? Most likely not. But are we optimistic and are we investing? Absolutely.
0: Last one before we let you go. I met you originally on a webcam from my kitchen table right in the middle of the pandemic. It's my first time okay. talking to you. Looking back, right. how has the pandemic changed you as a leader? You know, admitting that you don't
1: have all of the answers, I'm sitting with you. You ask me a bunch of questions. Um, and you know, it turned out that was not a playbook for a pandemic because it was truly unprecedented. So a larger portion of humility and saying to Folks said you sit with the team um, at Mastercard. And say, yeah, I don't have all of the answers, so but you know we know we got to lean in and we got to get the right people to the table, get a diverse set of perspectives, and figure it out. That was certainly one thing. Um, I think one other thing that this has done is the. Uh, I come right back to the beginning of the conversation: to believe in what we do and how important that is. That is much higher than before the pandemic, which really has shown. I mean, our industry kept the world going. So a little bit on the leadership side and a little bit even more of a belief in uh, that we drive some value as a company.
0: Well, it's good to see you in person. Good to see all the initiatives you're working with uh, over the MasterCard. Thanks for coming down. We appreciate it. Thanks, Brian.
1: Thank you for having me.